Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 10, titled The Firefly. Yet another incredible, incredible episode that I absolutely adore, Absolutely one of the highlights for Season 3, without a doubt in my mind. It is absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm going to talk about this episode a little bit differently than I usually do. Instead of talking mostly from the perspective of our protagonists, as I normally do, and as is normally the way these discussions go, I'm actually going to spend most of this discussion, not all of it, but most of it, talking about the events of this episode from the perspective of the Observer. For a couple reasons. A, because it's easier, quite honestly. (laughs) It's easier for me to talk from that perspective. It's easier for me to go through from that perspective. It is much less of a headache, and I think will make it for a more natural monologue. But, B, because I genuinely, genuinely think that's just more interesting of a discussion to have. Like, because then, that way we can break out the whole corkboard, and we can tie things together with string, and go all Pepe Silva. Like, and regular listeners of this, uh, regular listeners of this show know, A, that I flub a bunch, as you just heard, and B, that I cannot resist an opportunity to break out that damn corkboard. I cannot resist an opportunity to go full Pepe Silva on any of these shows I watch. Like, anytime the show allows me to do that, I... Take that opportunity, uh, willingly. I take that opportunity gladly. (laughs) I immediately eat that shit up. So, the Observer spends this episode designing a test for Walter Bishop. And this test includes a few pieces of setup. So, first off, the kickoff to all of this... The Observer takes the dead son of Walter Bishop's musical idol. Played, by the way, by Christopher Lloyd, who is incredible in this episode. I love him in this. He is very reserved. He is definitely not the Doc Brown Christopher Lloyd. He is a lot more subdued. He is a lot more reserved. Uh, I genuinely believe this is among the best performances of his career, quite honestly. Uh... His performance in this episode, I think, is very underrated. He is excellent here. He's great. Like, it's Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and this, quite honestly, when I think of great Christopher Lloyd performances. Those are my three favorites. Uh, Maybe I'm a weirdo. Who knows? But we have that. Uh, His son comes back, visits him in a nursing home from 1985, and gives him this message, which he immediately forgets, and Walter has to do this whole thing of, hypnotizing him and getting him to play piano so the parts of his brain, like the synapses of his brain, realign and he can say uh, what the memory was. But after all that, which is very well done. By the way, Walter Bishop puts on, like, the red-blue glasses and say they were an invention by 
his friend Dr. Jacoby in Washington State? Real talk. Are Fringe and Twin Peaks in the same universe? Like, are they in the same universe? Is there, is somewhere in the universe of Fringe, Dale Cooper running around, uh, talking into his tape recorder to Diane? Like, is, are they in the same universe? They might be in the same universe. It's possible. I don't know if that makes me like Fringe more or less, quite honestly. It depends on what era of Twin Peaks I'm talking about. Like, am I talking about the original Twin Peaks, or am I talking about The Return? (laughs) which I did not like. Uh, I don't know. Point is, maybe Fringe and Twin Peaks are connected. Who knows? But, we have this whole experiment happen, and eventually we find out that the message that Bobby, this dude's dead son, gave to Christopher Lloyd is that he was supposed to uh, talk to Walter Bishop and help him. We don't know how he's supposed to help him, But he's supposed to help him in some way. That was the message that we got. So that's the first leg of the Observer's little setup for his ultimate plan. The second part is uh, he stops this robbery at a jewelry store and saves a woman who has been taken hostage and is suffering an asthma attack. Saves her life, gives her a puff of her inhaler. And then steals the inhaler. So she can never use it again. That is the second leg. The third. Is the observer then comes to Walter. And they have a whole discussion. And this scene is incredible. Uh, This is John Noble. Being every bit as amazing as John Noble usually is in the show. This is Michael Cerverus. Uh, Cerevis, I can't remember how to exactly to pronounce his name, but that's him uh, doing his best as the Observer. Like, this is top-tier acting. And they're having this conversation about, please don't take my son, please don't take my son, please don't take my son. We had a deal, we had a deal, we had a deal. And the Observer going like, hey, um, so your son being alive has had a shit ton of consequences to the timeline. Like, you... And he tells this story about the next summer after Peter came back, Peter caught a firefly. Because he caught that firefly, another girl, uh, a while down, in a different place, couldn't catch a firefly. So she stayed out longer into the night. Her dad got worried about her, went out to look for her. It was raining. He skidded through a traffic light accidentally and killed a pedestrian. We find out later, by the way, that that pedestrian was this dude's son. This dude's son died because Walter brought Peter from the other universe. So the Observer is teaching Walter a harsh harsh lesson about the consequences of his actions. And by the way, that scene where Christopher Lloyd is talking about the death of his son and Walter is like slowly realizing that, oh shit, this dude's son, this dude I idolized, by the way, I'm not talking about this nearly enough. 
Walter loves this dude. He is his musical idol. And he lost his son because he took Peter from the other universe. And, like, the slow realization on John Noble's face of just like, oh crap, this was all me. And then John Noble's, uh, and then Walter's able to finish Christopher Lloyd's story for, it's heartbreaking. That scene is so utterly devastating, and I love everything about it. It's so, so good. Uh, that That scene, quite honestly, is the reason why this is among my favorite Christopher Lloyd performances. Uh, why I think it's among Christopher Lloyd's most underrated performances. He was great in that. Like, that was really the moment for me. Uh, and then Walter, like, having to deal with the consequences of that and realizing, like, oh, shit, this is what the Observer is doing. He is testing me. He's making me realize the consequences of my actions. Uh, he's going to have to make me, he's going to try and make me give up Peter, but I don't, I can't lose him again. And like Walter having to deal with that. But the observer before he goes leaves with one parting line. When the time comes, give him the keys and save the girl. Now, obviously, we don't know what this means in the moment. But we are going to know what it means at some point. In the future. But Walter, this entire episode, has to deal with Sark of like, okay, has he changed? Has he matured from that egomaniacal dude from the 80s who literally destroyed two universes to save one life? Uh... Has he changed? Has he evolved beyond that? And can he let Peter go? Or is it just... Is he just going to repeat the same mistake and let Countless die for, again, one life? For, again, one person? Now... This all comes to a climax when they're in this police transport taking this victim of the robbery back to Walter's lab so Walter can talk to her a bit because he has a strong suspicion that this was the woman, this was the little girl catching the fireflies. We never confirm that, by the way, but I have a feeling Walter's onto something. I have a feeling that might be uh, what the Observer was going for, was everyone in that particular instance, everyone important to that particular instance has come back. But I digress. The Observer crashes into the police car that's transporting her. And then runs away with Olivia chasing after him. Of course, the adrenaline of the crash triggers another asthma attack. And and she doesn't have her inhaler with her. So, Walter shows up in his little car. And... Walter has to save this girl's life. And he has to give Peter the keys to the car so he can go chase down the Observer. Give me the keys and save the girl. And there's this moment of hesitation when Walter's like, This was the Observer's plan. This is what the Observer's doing. Everything that's happened has been one giant test culminating in this moment. Like, he's planned all of this for this one decision of whether or not I should be 
be able to let you go. And, like, Peter has the whole thing of, like, hey, if, I, I don't know what's gonna happen, no one can tell the future, but, like, if you don't help this girl, she is going to die. So, stay with her and give me the keys. And Walter gives Peter the keys. So he goes hunting down the Observer along with Olivia, and Walter saves this girl's life. As Peter is chasing down the Observer, they get on these rooftops, eventually, and there's like a one-on-one where Peter like asks to the Observer's just blank stare of like questions of what is this, what is happening, that drawing, what does it mean, you have the answers, I know you do. Like, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going to happen. And by the way, it was made clear earlier in this episode that the Observer has no idea what's going to happen. Like, obviously, like, he can go through time, but right now there are, like, a bunch of potential futures all happening simultaneously. Like, there are a bunch of different potential futures all going on at the same time, and he has no idea which one's going to come to pass. But then the Observer asks, or doesn't ask, the, the Observer says something to Peter. It must be difficult being a father. And then the Observer takes out Future Gun and shoots Peter, who then lands on the ground, hits his head and all that, but he's fine. He's not dead, he just has a bit of a head injury. The Observer then leaves, Olivia goes after him, he escapes, but Peter's good, the girl's safe, and everything seems good, everything seems fine, until Peter goes back to the lab, and as Walter's saying goodbye to his musical idol, Peter drinks a bit of milk to wash down some aspirin. This is not normal milk. The milk was a bonding agent for something Walter was working on. A serum to make him smarter, to regrow the parts of his brain that William Bell took out so he could take on Walternate. This serum has gone untested. Walter had no idea what was going to happen. Peter drinks this milk thinking it's just, you know, milk. And then immediately collapses and starts having a seizure. And Walter's on the phone talking Olivia, like, des- talking Olivia through uh, creating an antidote, like, trying hard to save Peter, save Peter, save Peter, and eventually they're able to save Peter's life. It is then made very clear by Walter that if he had drank that, he would have died. The only reason Peter survived, the only reason Peter was able to hold out as long as he did, was because he was young and healthy. So, the Observer, causing Peter's head injury, caused Peter to go for the aspirin, which caused him to go for the milk, which caused him to drink it, and caused him to essentially save Walter's life. And Walter comes to the conclusion that this is what the Observer wanted. All of this was not for the Peter thing, but was for saving his life from his own deadly serum. But then we get this ending of the Observer and his boss, like, standing outside Walter's house, and his boss going like, 
You were right. He has changed. He was willing to give up his son. And, and when the time comes, he will do it again. So this kind of leaves it up in the air. If the observers... If the observer wanted to... Teach Walter the consequences of his actions and wanted to get him to be willing to sacrifice Peter, a test to see whether Walter was willing to sacrifice Peter, or if it was just to save Walter's life. To be honest, I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. Because, keep in mind, if you take out the... the musician and you just leave the asthmatic lady and everything else not much changes on the saving Walter's life front I mean yeah sure maybe you know uh maybe it would have come about in a different way but it still would have come about Well, the observer could still get Peter onto that rooftop, could still shoot him with future guns, could still give him a head injury, and could still make him take aspirin with the milk. But it is undeniable that the observers have a vested interest in keeping Walter alive. Walter is important to the future. They have made that very, very clear. Remember, way back in 203... There was that brief case of just Intel and Walter Bishop that was handed over to the Observer. I think that this was twofold. I think the Observer wanted to do both. In fact, I'm willing to go as far as to say there was a primary and secondary objective. The primary objective being teaching Walter you have to be willing to give Peter up when the time comes. And teaching him that there are indeed consequences to his actions. This is not just about Peter. This is where uh, the musician came into play. Remember, uh, the observer told Bobby to tell the musician that he was supposed to help Walter. And the musician never actually helped Walter in any tangible way that we could see. He helped him in putting a face to the unintended consequences of his actions. He helped Walter by making him see the very real impact that his selfishness, that his egomaniacal nature caused. And then, like, it's still a very real up in the air, like, 50-50 chance that the asthmatic woman factored into the Firefly stuff. So, that could have also been an extra little addendum onto that. Again, 50-50, like, we can theorize, we can speculate all, you, all we want, but in reality, we actually don't have any solid evidence one way or the other. But I do think the secondary objective was to save Walter's life. Because we've made it very clear multiple times. If there is any chance of this universe surviving the coming war. We 
need Walter Bishop. And so Walter Bishop needs to be alive. Walter Bishop needs to be alive to do the things that need to be done to save not just this universe, but possibly both. If all goes well. So I do think the Observer wanted to do both. I do believe the Observer wanted both goals to be accomplished. And teaching Walter the error of his ways and prepping him to let go of Peter when the time comes was the primary. And saving Walter's life was the secondary. I very much believe that that is the case. Also, there's a very, very good subplot with Olivia getting a delivery of a book uh, that was Peter's favorite book of all time. And it was something that had come up when Peter was talking to the alternate Olivia. And this is another remnant from the time Peter and alternate Olivia spent together. And Peter basically asked to spend the entire episode convincing Olivia, like, no, this was not for her. This is for the Olivia Dunham I spent two years getting to know. And sort of the alternate Olivia stuff, the remnants of all that, get brought back to the forefront. Uh, and it's a really, really incredible subplot. It's a really, really amazing subplot to this episode. Uh, I wish I talked about it more, but I didn't. Uh, I spent all my time, like, just corkboarding. I spent all my time Pepe Silvaing. God, I... Nobody tell my brother that I'm using Pepe Silva as a verb. <laughs> no one... Because, like... While I could not care less about Always Sunny, Pepe Silva is, like, the only reference I know. My brother is a massive fan of Always Sunny, and we've butt heads a lot over whether or not Always Sunny is actually good. And <laughs> if he knew I was using Pepe Silva as a verb, I would never hear the end of it. I would never live it down. Nobody tell him. <laughs> Do not let him know. <laughs> let my secret remain on this podcast. He doesn't listen to this because he's a terrible brother. Let continue on and never let him learn of this uh, forsaking of my position that Always Sunny's an overrated show. Uh, let my position be preserved in that great debate over whether or not Always Sunny is actually as good as everyone thinks it is. Anyway, point is this episode was great. Point is this episode's amazing, and I freaking love it. Anyway, uh, if you like this, favor the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday to Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. I have a Letterboxd now. TomTom4468 and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 11. Talk to you then.